Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. I'm blessed today. Have what of you're one of the most awesome, funny, like you're just so unique, but it's like those people that you just want to like take in your pocket everywhere with you because like <laughs> you have these little sayings that I'm like, where did she come up with those? I'm like, I can use those. But you're just witty and funny and awesome. So I am blessed for the viewers to be able to get to hear your story today and get to get to know more about you. So Brian, my question for you is, what are you not sorry for? I'm not sorry for not conforming. And I I feel like I have gone through waves of my life where I've remembered that and realized that I had forgotten it. And I'm in another one of those waves right now where For a couple of years, I feel like I forgot about that and, you know, kind of all the shoulds creeped back in. And then more recently, I've had to remind myself, oh, this is not me and things could be done a different way. And I've started to break free from a lot of things in the past couple of years and remembered that I need to not conform. I'm I'm here to not just, you know, march to the beat of a different drummer, but dance to it. Oh, I love that. (laughs) And that's the thing that... There's so many directions I can go with that. But the one thing I hear is like your past too. There's so many things I told somebody today that it's that shoulda, woulda, coulda game and what if game that can really play to our mental instability at times. So what is the power of not conforming and trying letting our past teach us and connect us, maybe those dots to connect? but not letting it own us. Yeah. Oh my gosh. A couple of things are coming up for me right now. One, one is which I I think sometimes when we do so much personal development work, which is something that I'm always trying to focus on. I feel like I never take a break from it. I will come across something that I've already learned before every once in a while. I'm repeating a pattern and it's emerging for me again as a lesson to learn at another time, even though I've already learned something very similar in the past. And it's really easy to get into a petty party mode when that happens and to think, oh my gosh, how am I here again? But I think that there are so many layers to unpack as a person. And when we feel like we're kind of circling back on something, we should have already learned or should have already grown from it's a place to have compassion for ourselves and to see what the nuances are that we're learning this time that maybe we didn't know before that make the picture clearer. I feel like I'm talking very abstractly here, but that, that just popped into my head. And, and I think also we get to some certain points in our lives, especially as we age, where I feel like we think that certain things are not appropriate anymore after we get to a certain age. And then you look, you know, like for me personally, I look fondly back on my days in high school where I would, you know, I had to wear a Catholic school uniform, but on the days where you got to dress down, 
I would show up with ripped jeans and I had painted my outfit and like designed it from scratch. And then to think of myself, you know, 15 years later working in Chicago, wearing like black most days and to wake up one day and realize that my closet is the dullest place on the planet, perhaps makes you sad and you start to regret things, but then that's not the right position to get into where you want to go in the future. And you, you kind of have this nostalgia for how you used to be almost. <laughs> it's like how do you find a productive way to get to that, like bring those aspects of that person into now. Yeah, and that's so true. It's that um, somebody said this to me and I've, I've stolen it way too many times. Uh, Quinn actually said it, um, some one of my friends off of LinkedIn. He said, I want to have the innocence of an eight-year-old and I don't give a damn of an 88-year-old. Like, that's where I want to stay at. And in that aspect, how does not conforming and you get like, and it's the thing, it's like 88 is a long time from now too. So, <laughs> but in that space and that learning and that growth, what are some of the lessons that you've learned from what's conforming since we're not sorry for it anymore um, to now? You know, one of the things that I've noticed if I look back and connect all the dots is you do what you've always done to a certain extent. So what are the things that you used to do when you were younger that really lit you up that you're not doing anymore now that maybe you've forgotten about them? You've forgotten about that part of yourself? Or again, like you feel like it's not appropriate necessarily to dress up in funny ways or, um, you know, dance at work or whatever it may be what are those things and and it, just to share an example I, for the past several weeks I have been dressing up in teamwork happy hours in funny outfits and characters and coming to them every Friday because you know we went into COVID and everyone felt so disconnected and so we started to do these virtual work happy hours but they also started to get really boring and old, you know, like, what are we doing here? We don't know what we're talking about. And one day I just had the idea, like, these actually need to be happy. Why aren't these happy? <laughs> so I was like, what can I personally do to make these happy? And I thought to myself, you know what, this is time to spark joy. How do I spark joy for myself? And I reminded myself when I was younger, how I used to do that, which is to dress up in funny ways. And create characters and show up differently. And so one day I did that. I actually did a tarot happy hour and showed up as a Madame Brienne and dressed myself up and did many tarot readings for the team. And they had no idea I was doing this. I just set it upon them. And then from there, I have this now weekly kind of bar I have to meet where I've got to find the new character to show up as. I've dressed up as Mugatu from Zoolander, Madonna one week. Um, I came as a rainbow one day and literally my whole face and everything painted and you know it, it brought so much light to my day my week and also the team that now I just keep have to I keeping have <laughs> to keep it up but um that to me was really interesting to see okay I can do this at work okay and then I started to talk to customers about it because I do a lot of customer success in my job I I talk to our clients frequently I have meetings every week and I started to think to myself, like, these meetings are more fun when they're fun. And so I've had several customers tell me just how much fun our check-in and status meetings are. And one of the things I'm doing is actually just 
bringing myself to these meetings. I'm actually talking to them about, hey, did you see my post on LinkedIn? I dressed up as Mugatu this week. Or sometimes if our calls are right before the happy hour, I'll show up half dressed up and just tell them what I'm doing. And I feel like in the past, I would have never done that. I would have always felt like there's a level um, to bringing yourself into these conversations with customers where you couldn't really show them how silly you are just in, the, in general. But more recently, I think as some of these barriers have receded with COVID, I'm just like, you know what? I can do this with my team, but I can do it with my customers too. And what does it show look like to show up as somebody who's like actually being joyful in customer interactions, not just to be nice to them, but to like actually show up as a person. And uh, the response is kind of overwhelming. No, I love it. And it's the part that one, you're being human. And two, you're bringing joy. And yeah. you think somebody said the other day, it's like meetings don't have to suck. But we've gotten to this thing that every time we go into meeting, it's the same. It's I call it the insanity curse. It's like we do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Our meetings still suck. Um, so how can we drink, bring joy and fun? And I do want to ask this question because my thing is that I talk about stress a lot and how stress, especially right now, uh, how it shuts off our learning centers of our brains. And it literally hurts innovation and growth and us to, to do the things that are needed now more than ever. So how has bringing joy helped with growth? I think sometimes the world can be a very dark place. And we can all feel it right now. We're going through a lot collectively. And um, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't also at the same time be experiencing joy when we can. Mm -hmm. So I think especially when times are dark, it's really important to make time for that as a means of expression and to use laughter. I feel like laughter is so powerful. And I think sometimes in culture, we think that we should, we want to use that should word again. Like if people are going through pain or if people are experiencing a bad time that we shouldn't be laughing or we shouldn't be happy or expressing joy. And that's just not the case. It's not an either or situation. It's a yes and situation. We need both at the same time. Like one can't exist without the other kind of, you know? And it's, I think it's so much too that, that and or, or like that, that whole statement too with homework and play instead it's homework or play. And we have to conform to, and I've seen the biggest battles that people have is whenever their work life does not work with their life like. And so, and you have to come in, you have to be this proper and perfect. Yeah. And so tell me, talk about that for a minute about, Embracing the and. Oh, okay. So I have a story. I was I was thinking about what stories can I tell you? And I have a memory back earlier in my career that I remember very clearly. And I used to go on interviews, as everyone did when they were younger in their career. And I would take with me, you probably think I'm strange. I would take with me a portfolio. And in the portfolio would be a whole bunch of different things. So I would be looking, for instance, for marketing jobs at the time. 
And I would take with me a portfolio that showed all of the different projects that I had worked on, obviously in college and even in some of my first gigs. But I would also put in my portfolio things that showed all of the, before side hustle was a word, I had side hustles out the wazoo, okay? I would be designing knitting patterns or I would be knitting scarves and taking them to craft shows and selling them. Or I was always doing extra stuff outside of work that I could express myself in that was always a means for learning and growth. And it was, you know, just part of my self-care, I guess, if I actually am honest about it. And I would bring examples of those things into those job interviews. Now, this was 12 years ago, 15 years ago, people would give me the strangest mix of reactions. Sometimes people would be like, oh, that's nice. And they'd kind of like push that over to the side. Or I even got reactions like, um, I'm concerned that you really want to be doing like knitting over here. So I'm not really sure that you're going to be committed to this job. And I always just felt so dejected afterwards because I wanted so badly for somebody to see me as a human, not as somebody that came and slotted into a role that could only show up and do those things at work. And so I tried really hard whenever I would show up to a job interview to show my full self. I would talk about the books I was reading and the classes I was taking on my own, doing these knitting things for fun on the side. And just thought like I was working extra hard to show that I was a human and jobs were and hiring people were working extra hard to put me in a box. And I just think back to that now and all of those occasions and I pretty much just always ignored them and thought to myself, like, clearly I'm not supposed to work here. But what if I didn't do that? Like, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. But so many people do. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what would you tell people that have done that? Um, because for me, like I hear that I'm like, yes, I like that's one of my guiding principles for people I hire is yeah. that they come with their full humanity. Because when things go wrong at home, like I want to be that support system. I want to be able to I can care and show gratitude and empathy and faith to people. So. But there's so I've had so many people. I, I will tell you this one time I had somebody tell me and they were in they were retiring. It was like the week before retiring. And they're like, I wish I was as brave as you. And and it's when I was leaving my job, they're like, and and just not being this. And they've worked there for 35 years. I'm like, and you're just now saying this. So what would you tell to people that are in that right now? you are missing out on life, so much more life that you can be having at work. <laughs> you know, like you, you, I feel like if you have that mindset, you are expecting that you have a life over here that you do, and then you show up to work and those two things don't meet. It's just not realistic, especially anymore, especially with how much work can encroach into your life. Why wouldn't your life encroach into your work? And I think back to all those people that interviewed me before, and I was like, oh my gosh, thank God I never worked with them because I feel like they would have dimmed my light so much. And I'm with you. Whenever I hire somebody new, I want to learn all about what rabbit holes they're going down, what new things they're learning, what they're doing outside of work, what the books are that they're reading, because I want to actually get an idea of who this person is. And if I'm going to be able to relate to them as a human, and I, I just, I don't think that this work self versus life self is, it's just not sustainable anymore.
And the idea of it that's been perpetuated for so long is made up. Somebody decided it, it was that way a long time ago, and we all bought into it for a while. But we can pretty much see through that lie now, right? Like, I think everybody can see through it. So if we can all see through it, we need to be different. The other thing I love about this time is that it's taken us out of our comfort zone. And I love putting people out of comfort because it's where growth is. Yeah. And conforming is actually comfortable if you think about it. Yeah. So because it's what we've been taught, it's what we're supposed to do. It's going with the, the trajectory of life that we're supposed to have. It's the pretty American picture. So what would you say to somebody about being uncomfortable? get used to it <laughs> because that's, that's where we are right now. We're in this chaotic environment. It's not going to stop and it's not going to slow down. It's only going to speed up. So being able to understand who you are and what your role is in this world throughout the uncomfortable <laughs> environment is where you should focus. And you may be more uncomfortable than you need to be if you're not in touch with yourself. And what I mean by that is just because we, you know, have been told to do something one way doesn't mean we should go do it the other way. Like not conforming doesn't mean just do the opposite. But for me, when I say not conforming, it's challenging the things that I feel like so many of us take for granted as the way things are. Mm-hmm. But it's also actually finding the authentic expression of you in the situation that you're in. So it's not just doing the opposite or rebelling for rebellion's sake. It's figuring out more closely how to connect with your true self. And I think that takes a lot of self-compassion and it takes a lot of vulnerability, which is actually a strength mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, a lot of trial and error and growth. But the more actually I think that you change yourself or allow yourself to transform, you're much more comfortable in the uncomfortableness that we're all experiencing. It just becomes a skill that you hone over time. And that's the point that it's a skill. It's actually a habit that it takes time that um, even our conforming is actually a habit that has been that has taken time. So just yeah. like any habits, you can you can adjust them. It's a thought that leads to a feeling, which leads to an action, which leads to behavior and in working on that cycle. But my favorite thing that you said on that is that the opposite of not conforming is conforming. There's actually so many more avenues that can come from it. And I think that's important to recognize that some people think whenever you have to do the total opposite. And it's not. For me, it's it's finding me. It's finding right. myself and so that I can own myself. So the world doesn't own me and, it, and it's taking your own path. So final takeaway from you, what would be your final words for somebody that says, I'm sorry for conforming. They're constantly going and how can, what invitation would you give them to shift that mindset to be, I'm not sorry for not. I don't want to send somebody to like try to push something or push against something needlessly, but Try to start waking up to all of the forces around you that are that have led you to the default that you're in right now and the patterns that you're in right now, whether or not you're aware of them or not. Start to have some awareness around how things are influencing you, around how you keep showing up and the areas where you're reactive in life. 
because that's where the work is. That's a good signal. Like wherever you're being reactive, wherever you're hearing the same things from people over and over again, focus there as a start. And also turn your inner critic into an inner observer. This is like the number one step in self-awareness. If you can make sure that all of the critic, like critique you're getting in your head and your inner monologue is actually like a, hmm, oh, that's interesting that's happening instead of you're doing something wrong or they think this about you. Turn it into an observer. Make it an ally. And I like to say sometimes that I've actually turned my inner monologue into an inner dialogue. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, it's like now there's this observer in there and there's me. So the inner observer's like, oh, that's interesting. You're getting a little uncomfortable when somebody said this. And then I'm thinking to myself, to the observer, like, yeah, that's weird. I wonder what that's about. And then the inner observer's like, well, you do have an issue when people um, try to take control over things. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I guess I don't need to be upset about this. So I start to. <laughs> I do that too, though. You do. do. Okay. So there's not just somebody sitting on my shoulder that's like, uh-oh, someone's attacking your ego. No, no more of that. It's now this conversation or dialogue that goes on in my head where I can actually observe what's happening and what my reaction is in the moment. And then I can make a different choice. I can choose not to do the default. That is like the biggest shift you can make. Thank you again. Thank you for everybody that watched. It was such a insightful and fun and joyous like conversation. I swear every time I'm with you, I learn something new that you do that's unique. <laughs> I always smile and I always laugh. So you are such a bright light in a dark world at times. And I'm, I'm grateful, grateful and gracious for you. So thank you so much. And thank you for everybody that watched. Y'all have a blessed day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.